Hey friends, welcome to the Love Intently podcast, where each week I bring you relationship experts, inspiring couples, and first-class relationship thought leaders from around the world. I'm on a mission to explore what exactly makes love last and to empower a generation to have strong relationships. I'm your host, Sophie Kwok, the chief love enthusiast who believes that relationships are the most important part of our lives. And if you're looking to build a stronger relationship or to take a proactive approach towards love, loveintently.com hosts an array of articles, podcasts, resources, and love tips to help you build and keep strong relationships. I am so glad you're here. Let's get started. On today's episode, I sit down with the incredible Elizabeth Carroll. Elizabeth Carroll is a TV personality and author of the Marriage Bootcamp, Defeat the Top 10 Marriage Killers and Build a Rock-Solid Relationship. She's a public speaker, counselor, and serves as the director of the Marriage Bootcamp. Elizabeth is seen on WeTV as a host and relationship expert on seven seasons of the hit TV series, Marriage Bootcamp, and is known for her work as a Dr. Drew life changer. With 30 years in corporate world experience and a master's level education in counseling and psychology, she brings a unique combination of experience in contemporary culture and insight into the psychodynamics of the human mind and relationships. Elizabeth brings practical experience in teaching, public speaking, corporate training, and counseling. Marriage Bootcamp is phenomenal at what it does, considering that 60% of people who enter Marriage Bootcamp are on the last leg of marriage, either at the door of divorce or having already filed for divorce. However, two years after going to Marriage Bootcamp, 80% of couples have reported to be not only married, but happily married, which is incredible results considering that traditional marriage counseling only has about a 20% success rate. She shares her personal journey and the secrets behind marriage bootcamp and to the secrets behind her thriving marriage that I think anyone could benefit from. I'm so excited to share this with you. And without further ado, here's our conversation. Hi, Elizabeth. It's so amazing to have you here. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm, it's a privilege to talk to you. Yeah, welcome to Love Intently Podcast. Uh, before we get started, I'd love you to share a little bit about yourself and your background. And also the story that everyone loves hearing is how you and your husband met. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. Well, as you know, I'm, I'm a marriage specialist with Marriage Bootcamp, and we had a, um, a TV show for seven seasons um, showcasing our skills with celebrity couples and all of that. But really, this whole thing started for both Jim and I with divorce. We're both divorced and remarried. And I had gone through just a miserable, miserable divorce. And I was 52 years old when when that happened. And at that point, I thought to myself, okay, I have not been single since I'm 14 years old. Maybe this is my season of singleness and I'm not going to be bitter. And, and, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to live with whatever situation I've been given. I'm going to be content. I'm going to serve. I'm going to continue to be fruitful. I've got children still to raise. And so my dreams of retiring and, and pursuing counseling psychology, all that, forget about it. 
I can still have a really wonderful life. I was working for Levi Strauss at the time, and some of the uh, women in my office were like, you can't be single, you can't just like give up on men. And I'm like, yes, I can. And they're like, well, at least try online dating. So I was like, okay, but I'm not gonna pay for anything. So I went on a free site, it was called uh, Plenty of Fish, and it's kind of a shady site. I mean, it's, you know, it's free, so it's anybody and everybody. So I went out there, put my profile, and said I was 52 years old, and boom, I got hit with 50 pings of 70-year-old men wanting wow. to hook up with me. And I got, I, it, was, it was a crazy, crazy journey. Anyway, I was like, okay, this is not for me. Started shutting it down, all down. And then all of a sudden, boom, the, oh, no, no. Then, you know, I was in, in sales and marketing. And so I'm like, ah, oh, I know what's happening here. I have hit the 49.99 ceiling. So I'm just gonna go, I'm just gonna take my age just down right below, below the ceiling and see what happens. So I changed my age from 52 to 48. And then boom, I got hit with these 50 and 60 year old creepy men. And it was kind of the same thing, but just a younger generation. Anyway, I started shutting it all down. And the site itself like popped this little picture onto my site and said, this is a person who has your same values and maybe the two of you could get to go know each other. And it was Jim's, Jim's profile. And I was like, dang, he's cute. So I, <laughs> I pinged him, which I'd never done before. I pinged him and put my phone number out there. And like in 15 minutes, I get a frantic phone call and it said, take down your site take down your number. You just put your phone number out there on a website, take it down. And I'm like, okay. So I go on my computer and I'm like taking all this stuff down. And he says, hi, this is Jim Carroll. Meet me in 20 minutes at Papa Do's for dinner. And I was like, okay. I mean, I had no idea what computer dating was like. And so I jump in my car, head down to a restaurant and had a blind date with this wonderful man. And within 10 minutes or so, we were both crying over the suffering of divorce and all that stuff and him telling me about marriage boot camp and um, we just clicked immediately around our shared heart for the misery of divorce and the misery of not being trained up well to do relationship from families of origin to generational stuff and we just clicked and within 10 minutes we were like a couple and then three months later we were married so wow wow i would not recommend that path for anybody, but it did work for us. How did you know that quickly? <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I think, I think age makes you a little bit more, just can make you a little bit more discerning, not always, but um, I'd been through enough that I kind of knew um, a tender, vulnerable heart when I saw it. And then to hear that he, has heart, he had a heart for service and a heart for the Lord and a heart for couples who were hurting in divorce. And I was like, and he's so handsome. I was like, okay, <laughs> this is a package, this works. Yeah, definitely, can't pass up on that. Right, and, what, and the other thing is, is and this is just, I, I believe this to be true, and I've taught my daughters this, that when you're, when you're dating, like a man has to, has to fulfill like the three basics, the three Ps, which is they should be able to provide, protect, and pursue. That's a man's job from my perspective. That's what I've passed on to my daughters. Now, I did not do that in my previous relationships. My marriage before Jim, I was the breadwinner, and I really feel like there's a way that a man loses a sense of who he is without meaningful work. 
So that was one of my things. I will never, ever date a guy who didn't have like a really serious work life that he loved. And Jim was a very, very successful businessman. Plus he had this ministry, plus he had all this other stuff. Turns out that he's a little bit of a crazy man in terms of work, but it all works for me. He just finished mm. filming um, a um, faith-based science fiction thriller um, called Black Easter Resurrection. So he's always got some wild project going on. Yeah, that's incredible. So how do you guys keep it balanced since both of you guys are so incredibly busy with all of the different projects you have your hands in? Yeah, well, we're empty nesters for one. So um, we've, been, we've been married 10 years now and I really feel like senior citizenship, senior citizenshood, I don't know what you would call that, but as you get older and you have an empty nest, you have all this newfound energy to do things and, and be productive. And that's what we found. We just, um, we both love to work. We both love to be productive. Neither one of us is really big on like recreational, like just pure recreation. We want to be doing something, doing something important and fun and creative. So that's how we get fueled. Right. That's so powerful. Okay. So share a little bit more about the inspiration behind Marriage Boot Camp and how many couples have gone through it so far. Sure. So Jim actually started Marriage Boot Camp 25 years ago with Dr. Phil, back when they were both children. And um, they, and then of course, Dr. Phil went on to be Dr. Phil and, and Jim was sort of his trainee, if you will. And when Dr. Phil did his thing, he t- like said, Jim, go, go do you, you're, this is, this is what you're gifted to do. And so he started this 25 years ago when we met my background in counseling psychology and my passion for marriages, it just sort of made the two of us seem like, wow, this is like a perfect thing. We're both passionate about the same thing. But for Jim, ages and ages ago, he actually got tricked into going a, to a seminar that Dr. Phil was doing that's similar to marriage boot camp. He got tricked to go because he just thought, there is no way I'm going to go sit in a room with a bunch of crazy people for four days and share my lot. No, he was like, no. Well, he got tricked. He ended up going and it was absolutely life-changing. And then he started to see the, the people around him, friends and couples and their marriages and, fa- and, and families and their lives falling apart because of conflict. And he wanted to help them. And so he started you know, developing the concept of marriage boot camp. And the, the concept of, or the practical part of marriage boot camp is very much built for man. Because women will go to lectures. Women will go sit and listen to Brene Brown speak, but men won't. So when Jim, when Jim designed this, he built it for a man's mentality, which is, I'm not gonna sit still for very long. I wanna have games and drills and exercises. There's gotta be competition in here. And I gotta be able to talk to the guys as well as talk to other people. So it's really built for action. And it works really, really well. Mm. Wow. Do you have statistics on how many couples or how couples do before and after, like how many couples stay together after attending your workshop? Actually, yes. Um, and I have a book out. It's called A Marriage Boot Camp Takes on the Top 10 Marriage Killers. And it's uh, Pem- uh, Penguin Publishing and you can get it on Amazon. Anyway, I cite, cite this in the book. Um, we did a longitudinal study several years ago, a, a really probably eight to 10 years ago. And about 60% of the couples that come into marriage boot camp are on their very last leg. 
They're either mm-hmm. preparing for divorce, already filed for divorce, or recently divorced. And so 60% of the people are already just, they, they're, they're done. So we took that 60%, which happened to be 62 couples who were absolutely on their last leg, who successfully got through the boot camp and decided to stay together. And we followed them for two years. After the course of two years, when we checked in with these 62 couples, 80% of them were still together and still considered themselves happily married. So where we have a an 80% success rate, and I'm not talking they go out the door happy because then it would be 95% because we can recreate right. that falling in love thing in a mountaintop experience. But what, when we look at the longevity of couples, if we can get 80% of those people still happy, traditional marriage counseling, it's 20%. So we've been very, very effective with our drill and kill strategy. Wow, that's huge. Okay, you mentioned that it was built around the framework of men, but how do women respond to it? And how do women interact with this type of workshop? Because it is very different from anything I've ever heard of before. Women love it. I mean, we love everything. Put us in a game, we love it. Put us in a lecture, we love it. Give us a book to read, we love it. Men, they've got a little bit narrower attention span, but, but the women love it as much as the men. And if you talk to people leaving the boot camp, or you talk to people who've been through the boot camp, they'll say, this was one of my top 10 experiences of my whole life. Mm. Do you find that the couples, so the marriage uh, boot camp TV show uh. is, I think a lot of extreme cases, but do you find that they have a harder time rebuilding their marriage due to being in the public eye and the pressures of that? Or do you find them to be pretty similar? I think that celebrity couples have the added pressure of being judged in a broader way. You know, people see their business in a way that normal couples don't. So there's added stress in that. There's also the added stress of the character that they play, you know, When are you on and when are you in character? When are you off? When are you real? The key to having a really great relationship and the key to doing life really, really well is finding your authentic self. If your authentic self doesn't have space to grow and to mature and to become all that it's supposed to be, it's gonna be harder, life's gonna be harder. I dealt with some really, really big celebrity names and they can, barely put a sentence together when they're not in character. Mm. And it just saddens my heart to be like, dude, you know, develop some self, some, some you rather than a character that you're going to play. Hard to do. Right. Do you have any pointers for, I, I know a lot of our audience is aspiring entrepreneurs or or even some bloggers and influencers in more of a micro way. Um, do you have any advice for learning how to develop both of your authentic selves and then coming together? Well, I have a new thing that was developed by uh, Dr. Sherry Buffington and it's called core mapping. It's very similar to Myers-Briggs, um, but core is an acronym for four types of, of personality uh, trait sets, if you will. So it's Core is C, commander, O is organizer, R is relator, E is entertainer. You can take some assessments and figure out who you are. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? And the more that you live in your strengths, the more joy and energy and life you're going to have. So that would be my one of my first things is my, I have a 28-year-old daughter. A lot of, and I so I get a, a, 
up close and personal view of those in that generation that really want to be influencers of a culture in need of, of good influencers. But it's gotten to be where it's become a thing as opposed to a call. And I guess the first thing I would say is know yourself well enough to know what is truly your calling. And number two, then, then let that be the voice that comes out of you from a real place. And then you'll find, mm. I think you'll find your, your, your place. Mm. Yeah, that is really powerful. And I think, I think a lot of people struggle with that. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, even at, at my, at, even at 62 years old, I'm understanding more of my um, introversions. I am a, I am a, like a work extrovert, but a social introvert. And if I, expose myself too much to the, the social light environment, I'll be drained. So I have to just be mindful of those things for myself. And I think we each have to do that. Mm. How have you differentiated your calling versus, um, versus like your own desires or where do those align whenever you see, have there been points in your life where that mismatched? Because I've heard that for couples too, is there's this calling they feel each individually have, but then it's bringing the callings together, which I feel like you and Jim have done very well. Oh, but we're very different. We're very different. And we've had a lot of conflict around our basic differences. But I think the, the key is that you have to, A, know, know yourself and know basically what the, what your package is and what areas are your weaknesses and areas that you have to develop further. So for example, if you assess Jim, he lives commander, 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 and he kills it out there in the commander world. But when you do the assessment, he comes up very high as an entertainer. Our culture doesn't like little entertainer children. And so most of the time, little entertainer children are told to be quiet, be still, don't open your mouth, be appropriate, blah, 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 blah. So Jim had a very strong entertainer self that was underdeveloped. So we need to make space for his joy and his energy and his bliss in a place where he might not be very mature. You know, so that's the key to our coupleness is he needs, and I'm a teacher. So the dark side of being a teacher is that I can be a know-it-all. I can talk too much. I can talk over people's heads, et cetera, et cetera. So we kind of make space for each other's stuff and also be able to speak to each other in a way that um, gently is a, is, an, is a gentle iron sharpening iron rather than the point of a sword kind of thing for the two of us. So I'm always pulling him back from his entertainer. He's always pulling me back from my teacher in a way that makes us better. Mm, that's so powerful. So in your book, you mentioned 10 of the biggest marriage killers. Yeah. Of the 10, are there a few that you find are the most common? And I was wondering if there's any advice that you have around overcoming some of those. Well, a foundational one is communication. Like you can solve pretty much anything if you've got good communication skills, or you can stumble on virtually anything and everything if you don't have good communication skills. So there's several things that um, we teach at the boot camp and that Jim and I actually use in our own lives. And one of them is what I use the MVP, MVP acronym for mirror, validate, and hope. So the P is for hope. I couldn't come up with an H. But anyway, um, mirroring, validating, and hope means what I heard you say is, I'm gonna mirror what I heard from you. 
then I'm going to validate you and go, you know what? What you just said has a great deal of value. And I really, really respect the position that you're taking. I may not agree with you, but let me just validate that I really value and respect what you're saying. And then my hope is, and then the P for hope is then we communicate. My hope is that even if we're not on the same page, we can still find a place to either be at peace with what we're dealing with or make space for what we don't agree with. And one of the really interesting um, statistics that I got from uh, Dr. John Gottman is that 69% of all couples conflict is not resolvable. So it's like, okay, is that part of the 69% where we're not gonna, we're not ever gonna be on the same page with this? Maybe. And then you make room for that 69%. Mm. What's a second top contender of the 10? Ah, well, that would be the emotional language versus the logical language. Okay, tell us more about that. They kind of tied together a bit, but okay, well, let me give you this example. If I say to my husband, how do I look in this dress? Might be an emotional question, might be a logical question. If I'm in the dressing room at Macy's, probably a logical question. But if we're walking out onto the floor of a black tie event, probably an emotional question. And the difference is this, emotional language is looking for affirmation, logical language is looking for information. Mm. If you mix those up, you will have conflict. And what I see a lot of times with couples is that men, men are wired for problem solving. And, and it's, a, it's a beautiful gift. And brain science also shows us that their brains are wired for problem solving. But what happens when you say, oh my gosh, I'm having the worst day. Well, here's what you should do. And they go into fix it mode. And when they go into fix it mode, we're, we feel completely invalidated. We feel not heard or loved or cared for, etc. So we have to be really, really cautious and, and loving, lovingly careful to be able to hear, oh, is she looking for affirmation or is she looking for information? Men do the same thing. Men also have an emotional language, but it just looks very different. Men will often complain. They'll be like, oh, my work, I can't believe it's just like, I can't believe how much my boss is dumping on me. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're in your logical brain, you're going to say, well, have you thought about delegating? Or maybe you can get some time management skills, or maybe da 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 Or let me take a look at that. Maybe I can help you organize da-da-da. And now you're giving them information when they probably just need affirmation, which would look like, honey, I am so, so proud of the way that you just get out there and work and work. Nobody does it the way you do it. You're smart, you're competent, and you've got a jerk for a boss. I get it. That is hard. So so you see the two, the difference between Mm -hmm. affirming and informing the logical and the emotional, very important for us to feel like we get each other. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think even breaking down in that, um, it helps me relate to my, my friends that are female and male on, on our conversations and that. Um, so that, that's such an interesting way to think about what your partner is asking for when they, when they're coming to you with something. Yeah. And you know, it's, they're, they're blessing you with a gift of their, their heart. They're bringing something forward and putting it on the table for you to share in. And if you mismanage that or disrespect that, or dishonor it in some way, then they're not going to be as likely to, to share their heart 
And so that's mm. a part of the glue that keeps us connecting is being able to really, really honor one another's, you know, states of being. Is there a third one that you would like to share? There the is a third one. And I love this one because Jim and I use it all the time. And it's called our ABCs, the ABC. Mm. And every situation is broken down into an A for action, B for belief, and C for consequence. So, so for example, if, if your husband comes home late, that's the A, the action, he comes in the door late. B, your belief could be any number of things. Oh, he's avoiding me. Or maybe he's got some side chick. Or it could be any number of beliefs. The consequence is going to be determined by that belief. If you're thinking, oh, he's being irresponsible to his family or he's being disrespectful to me, the consequence is that you're going you're gonna to react to that. Like mm -hmm. the cold shoulder or, or you yell at him like, why have you been or if your belief is he comes home late from work, if your belief is, wow, he is really pushing hard to provide for our family, then the consequence is going to be very different. So what the, th the way that it, that it manifests in my marriage to Jim is that if we start having like a little bit of tension in our communication or a lot, we'll like slow it down and go, okay, wait, 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 what's your B? What's your B? Well, my B is that you're trying to teach me something because you think I'm an ignorant, an idiot. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. No, that's not at all what I was doing. I was just sharing some research that I had just gotten and I'm really passionate about it. I'm so sorry that I made you feel some type of way with that. So that's, so the ABC is one that we use a lot. Wow. Yeah. I can see that being a really powerful tactic with conflict resolution. Yeah. Okay. So I remember hearing you talk about, watching a video, hearing you talk about sex versus skink. Mm. And I think, and it being an epidemic that we're facing. Yeah. Um, can you share a little bit about that to our audience on the difference? Yeah. Um, I started having a lot of couples coming into the boot camp and where sexual addiction um, was a part of their issue. And mm -hmm. I didn't have a whole lot of experience with sexual addiction in terms of what I had studied because addiction is a whole, like an, like an animal all in and of itself. And sexual addiction and sex are two different things. That's why I said it's not even sex anymore, it's skank. And what happens is it's a, like you had said earlier, um, there is a chemical component to sexual arousal. And that chemical component is supposed to be used for gluing people together in marriage. That sexual flush of oxytocin is supposed to cause people to bond, and it does. But if you're bonding with something toxic, that's where it becomes a problem. And if you're bonding with something toxic and you've got a flush of chemicals in your body and that flush and that connected to that thing leaves you a little bit empty, because that image is not gonna give you anything back. That image is not gonna make you feel loved. That image is not gonna feel give you anything other than a flush of oxytocin. It's gonna leave you a little bit empty. So what do you have to do? You have to increase the dose. And then you have to increase the dose and increase the dose. So pretty soon you are in a full-blown addiction. And what I say in my, in my video, um, a lot of serial killers like Bundy, um, mm -hmm. he was a classic porn addict who, be, who took it to the nth degree and then became a serial killer. Now, I'm not suggesting that everybody who looks at porn is going to end up a serial killer, but there is a connection between the chemistry of false intimacy needing a higher and higher and higher and higher dose to, to pretty soon an, the need for the flush is so great that you can only get it in the most extreme manner. So 
there has to be a, it's like, you guys don't have a sex problem. You have a skank problem. They're misusing their body in such a way to create a chemistry, a toxic chemical spill. So now, now we're gonna have to back, back the truck up here and figure out how do we get rid of the chemicals and then relearn how to connect in a healthy way. What are the, some of the first steps that you recommend for the couples that are experiencing that and, and wanting to work towards health? Abstinence. Mm. No sex for a period of time. I usually recommend um, 30 to 90 days. So, and here's why. A brain on high levels of oxytocin that is generated from pornography or, or other forms of sexual acting out, a brain on that stuff takes a while to detox. And so that brain is going to have to flush. It's almost like heroin addiction, where you really have to be, you have to go cold turkey for a, for a period of time. Not so, well, it's two things. Behaviorally, you have to shift things, but your brain needs to heal. So that's the first thing I have them do. Abstain from any kind of sexual activity for a period of time. Then once the brain has sort of flushed all that junk out, then start introducing intimacy back. And there's some classic ways to introduce intimacy from touching at the most external places like hands and feet, and then moving in towards the center of the body last, um, and retraining the brain and the body to respond to your wife or to your husband rather than this other stuff. There's a great yeah. book out there uh, by a woman named Emily Nagoski, and it's called um, Come As You Are. And it's a wonderful uh, breakdown of how the brain works when it comes to human sexuality. Now, that's really, really powerful. And it's everywhere. Yeah, because I think this, we are facing an epidemic yes. with porn pornography right now, and it is a big conversation that a lot of people are really ashamed to talk about. And so just even talking about how it impacts our relationships. And it's a, it's kind of a silent killer as well, because a lot of people are introducing pornography into their life at such a young age when they aren't even old enough to understand what they're looking at. Uh, but it's causing all kinds of chemical reactions within their body. And so I think even hearing that there is hope for this and for people to hear that is so powerful. So thanks for sharing. Oh, your you're welcome. There's, there are also some, if you, if you dig into it, there's some research that shows that men are become, becoming asexual because they've so overstimulated themselves that they can't get erections. They can't respond sexually anymore because they've so jacked up their bodies that they can't, their bodies are just not responding like they used to. And then and they have to go on a serious detox if they ever want to get back to wanting normal sex again. Okay, y'all. I have something super exciting to share with you. How many of you guys enjoy a glass of wine or two during date night or girls night? Well, let me introduce to you Wink, who makes it super easy to discover great wine from the comfort of your home, and that's W-I-N-C. Wink's wine expert selects wines matched to your taste, personalized for you, and ships it straight to your door. And it just starts at $13 a bottle. Did I mention there's no shipping cost? If you don't like a bottle they send you, they will replace the bottle with something that you love, no questions asked. 
And there's nothing quite like coming home to a bottle of wine that's selected just for you. All you have to do is fill out Wink's palette profile quiz, answer some simple questions that your average store clerk wouldn't ask or even translate into a recommendation. These questions include things like, how do you like coffee? Or how do you feel about blueberries? Then Wink sends wines curated to your taste. And the more wines that you rate, the more personalized your monthly selections become. Each month, there are new wines, like their insanely popular Summer Water Rosé. There's no membership fees. You can skip any month, cancel any time. Shipping is covered. And you can discover great wine today. All you have to do is go to wink.com, which is W-I-N-C.com, and we're giving you $22 off of your first shipment using the code LOVEINTENTLY, one word. And that's L-O-V-E-I-N-T-E-N-T-L-Y. Again, that's wink.com with a promo code of love intently for $22 off. And did I mention that's almost two bottles on the house? So really, you got nothing to lose. Try out some great wine. Tell us how it is. Okay, um, I'm going to take a pivot into our conversation into my next question of what advice you have for couples that are blending their families for the first time? Because that's something that you've experienced. And I know that that is one of the hardest parts about divorce is learning how to find, go, move into your next relationship. Yeah, ooh, that's a tough one. Really, really hard. So Jim and I have four ki- kids between us. And so we did have to do the blended family thing. But the good news is, is that most of our children were out of the house and you know we're older. But, I, but what I always tell couples is that if you are going to have a blended family, you have to be very, very clear right from the jump that your mate is your priority and the kids come second. Mm-hmm. And most kids... Then the rebellion starts. That's when the kids are going to do everything they can to bust up this couple. So they have to be prepared for that. And it's going to feel awful because you love your children and you have, as as a single mother, they were my top priority. Relationally, they were my top priority. And now this man comes into my life and now I feel like I've betrayed them. But a child needs the safety of two people who are rock solid even if the kids come against it with, you know, pitchforks. You have to weather that through. And at the end of that season of rebellion, they'll start feeling safe. And that's how it works. If you don't do that and you let the kids tear you apart, that's going to be hard. Yeah, absolutely. What, What are some things that you advise those couples to tell their kids in those situations where they feel betrayed, but that's not the case? Like, what are some tangible ways that they can continue building on their parent-child relationship? So I go back to my MVP. We do this with mm-hmm. our kids too. You have to mirror. I hear what, you're, what I hear you saying is that you feel like I've left you for this guy. Validate makes perfect sense. You have had my full attention for all these years, and now I'm giving attention over here. So you're not crazy. You are, what you're saying has a great deal of value, and and I really respect how you're feeling right now. And P, the hope, the hope is, is that you're gonna get a double dose of parental love once we get through this season. But I hear you. 
and I absolutely want to honor your feelings. So MVP works for them. ABC works for them. Logical versus emotional works for them too. Yeah, I think that's what's so powerful about building up your marriage is they these skills intercede into every other area of our life. Yeah. I mean, I have people who call me later and go, oh my gosh, my relationship with my boss has just done a 180 and we are in such a good place right now because of what I learned at the boot camp. Yeah, and that's really the heart behind Love Intently is we have a vision to impact families and friendships and even work relationships because we recognize that. It's it really does start at home, but man, there's I don't think there's anyone more unproductive than when it's someone going through a breakup or a divorce cuz heartbreak sucks or when you're in a healthy marriage, you're going to show up healthier and happier for sure. So yeah. Well, you should, you should come to the boot camp. You and your staff come to the boot camp. We do the boot camp is, is not just for couples. It's for couples and individuals. So, um, come learn all this stuff and then go forth and sow great seed. Yes. I, I actually am really thinking about it because you guys are pretty close to me. I'm in Austin. So we've already started talking about potentially coming up. So we will probably most likely take you up on that. And everyone else listening should come join us. When is the next one? So we have a boot camp coming up September 26th. So it's a four-day seminar, Wednesday through Saturday. Um, it's, as I said, it's for couples and for individuals. So the couples come at 10 in the morning and they work until about 4.30. Then there's a dinner break. And then the nighttime program from 6 to 10.30 is um, blended with individuals, singles, or couples that just want to come to the nighttime program. Um, the daytime is, is specifically about relational skills and how you can build that. The nighttime program is about individual issues because you cannot have a strong relationship if you are not rock solid. So couples in the daytime, in everybody in the nighttime. And um, yeah, so that's coming up September 26th at um, the Hope Center in Plano, Texas. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I just have such a passion to get people mm. from where they are now to that next level of growth and healing. Where can people find out more information? At our website, marriagebootcamp.com. Everything you need is there. Okay, wonderful. We will link that into our show notes. Um, the next question I have is, there's the marriage bootcamp reality stars, but what is that in comparison to what people get to experience when they sign up with you in Plano, Texas? Yeah, so um, the Plano, Texas experience is better, just saying. <laughs> um, we did seven seasons of the TV show, and then, then we, we started developing creative differences. And they wanted to go in a direction that was more towards uh, drama, Jerry Springer, and all that kind of stuff. And that's when we said, you know, we are a ministry to marriages, and we're looking to heal people, not create conflicts because it makes for good TV. That was just not our thing. But what happened was we got a, a straight mm -hmm. phone call, like I did with you, from somebody in Hollywood. And they said, hey, we've got a celebrity couple that is blowing sky high. Can you help them? We're like, yeah, of course we can. So we ended up going on Gene Simmons' uh, reality TV show. You know who Gene Simmons is from Kiss? Mm -hmm. Okay, so his relationship with Shannon was blowing up and they were at their TV show was at risk and everything. So they brought us in and we were able to help them. And then they said, oh, I love the modality of the boot camp. Can we do our own show? And that's how we got started on TV. All that to say, when you come to the boot camp, you're not going to sit through a boring lecture ever. 
from the get-go. You are in a drill, in a game, you're picking up your chair, you're moving across the room. So what you see on the TV show where there's a lot of action, like the canoe race, or the, you know, put you in the morgue drawers or whatever like that, we don't do exactly that. That's production value on top of a drill. But it's that kind of stuff where you're in, in an action scene of your own making, and that's where you get the learning and the healing and the growth in real life rather than hearing somebody talk about it. Do you remember the first time that you went through, have you gone through the boot camp as a participant? Yes, yes, and that's a funny part of our dating thing. Um, so I didn't know it at the time, but Jim invited me to go to the Life Enrichment Boot Camp, which is the nighttime program. And what I didn't realize was that it was one of those test dates. You know how you take someone into a situation, maybe with your friends, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna sit back and see how she handles, da 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 da. So this was his test date. Um, so I, yes, I went and I had my mind blown because as a so, someone in the counseling psychology field, I was like, oh, whoa, 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 this is way, way, way too weird. We should be sitting in a chair talking, and you know, it's nothing like that. It is action, and you move from the beginning of the session to the end. How long were you a counselor previously? Um, I have been in the field of counseling psychology for probably 30 years, um, but not actively as a therapist, um, lay counseling, life coaching, but I was a single mom. So I had right. a big corporate job for most of my professional career. Mm. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, during your experience of the boot camp for the first time, what was one of the biggest takeaways for you personally? That healing and growth can be fun mm. and creative. Yeah. That's so I'll give you an example. We don't do this anymore, but Jim was directing it at the time. And he made like, he took like six husbands, stood them on chairs and made them write out a message to their wives with their butts. So they were up there doing like a, <laughs> a, a wiggle thing and spelling out, I love you. And the whole place was like, what is going on? What is going on? And it was super fun. But it was the, the message was is that we communicate in a million different ways. And sometimes writing out I love you with your butt is but one of those ways. So it was fun. And then it got the point across. Right. Has being a part of marriage boot camp cause any conflict within your relationship? Because you guys are engulfed in this all day, every day. Oh, How yes. How has it impacted well, yes, and it's born fruit. So Jim will I, and I will get in a really stupid fight and it'll end up being a boot camp drill. <laughs> one of these, one of the boot camp drills is called hot buttons. And it, so Jim and I started getting into conflict about his, oh gosh, should I be sharing this? Um, so Jim has never dated a brunette. He's, he's always <laughs> dated a Texas blonde, blonde hair, fair skin, blue eyes. And now here comes this mixed race, salty gal. And he, and even on our, on, on the website, when he saw my picture, he was like, well, maybe we can be friends, but she's a brunette. So that's never going to work anyway. So unbeknownst to me, I had a hot button around being judged for having dark skin because I as a kid was bullied terribly for being mixed race. 
And so we would get into these stupid fights when he would like say, wow, look at that pretty girl. Or do you remember Farrah Fawcett or stupid thing? And I would overreact and I knew I was overreacting. And so that caused me to do a little bit of digging and soul searching and research. And I come up, came up with a hot buttons drill. So now we have couples, you know, share what, what is that thing that he does that just sends you over the moon to where you overreact and you kind of know that that's probably not a measured approach to this issue. Um, so yes, we get into fights and then they become boot camp drills. Yeah. I always say our greatest uh, fruits come from some of our deepest pains. So that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's such a beautiful little redemption story of even your little minor conflicts and how it impacts thousands of others. Yeah. Yeah. And to, to be able to connect the dots and know that, and I do this with the couples too. All right, so now you understand the thing that is you're sensitive to with your mate. Now let's go back 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. When was the first time that you felt that? And I was able to go, I mean, I just like wept thinking about being bullied by a bunch of kids on the playground for my dark skin. So we heal our past in our, in our present so that was a very healing thing for me to be able to go to connect the dots and then be able to say, okay, no more. Those little boys have no more power in my life. Yeah. At what point did you share that with Jim? Like, was that this one instance where when you sat down and realized it and then you came back and shared with him or was he with you in that process? Like, what does that look like? Messy. <laughs> Super messy. I mean, we would, we would have stupid, we had stupid fights. They never got to be really big and ugly, but stupid fights for probably two years mm. and little by little by little. And, and, the, and the way that we tried to deal with it, Jim would try to stop noticing the pretty blonde. You know, that, that's kind of what couples do is behavior mod. And that didn't work, that didn't work, that didn't work. And pretty soon he, would, he just got frustrated with me and, and was like, that's your deal, that's your issue. I'll just do what I can, but you know, girl, you've got issues. So, and I do have a great therapist, so it was a process. But I don't want people to have to go through two years of that mess. Yeah, absolutely. Which is why you created the hot button drill. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, we're going to move into the last two questions. But the first one is, what is the best relationship advice you have ever given or could receive? Well, I, so I don't know if this is the best or if this is just the newest because I'm like, my mind is blown right now having been studying um, Harville Hendricks' book. I, it's called um, Getting the Love You Want. And my therapist, of course, recommended it. But his premise is that we are attracted to our unfinished business. So the best advice I would give couples is when you are fighting, look at that and ask yourself, is this an opportunity to clean up some unfinished business? Or is he just a jerk? Always ask first, what is the opportunity here? Is this an opportunity for healing? For me, Jim admiring Farrah Fawcett was an opportunity for me to go back and deal with those, those bully boys on the playground and get that healing, right? So I've kind of intuited for a very long time that there's some unfinished business going on here. And I haven't written about it and I don't have it in the boot camp, but it's the hot thing right now on my heart. For me and Jim, Jim is a powerful, aggressive man. He represents my unfinished business with bullies. I am an academic intellectual teacher. When Jim was in second grade, he got put in special education because he couldn't read. They thought he was 
you know, mentally handicapped. So he had the shame of going through grade school, grade school, grade school in the dumb class, whatever. And so he still has that wounded place. And of course, now he's with this woman who's always teaching him something that she's researching and it pushes every button, but it's an opportunity for him to understand that he has some unfinished business. And we're able to talk about it in that way. It's like, he'll be able to say, okay, hang on. I'm going right back to second grade right now. So you got to stop. Wow. Okay. So in those moments, what do you then go and do to comfort or um, if, if it is bringing up these triggers, like what can the other partner do to, to sit there with their significant other? Yeah. So that's when the repair process starts where I'm able to say, oh my gosh, I, that was never my intention. I'm so sorry to, to hurt you in that way. Now that I know that that hurts you, I'm back in this truck up really, really fast because I'm, that's not at all what I want to do. I love you. I don't want to hurt you in that same place. And I, I really just want you to know that I respect that you have a wounded place that you're still working on. Yeah, that's so powerful. Do you find, I feel like the, the narrative in society right now is that men are just less self-aware and that's the way it'll always be. But I don't necessarily think that's the case. Um, I think that they don't have as much space to be self-aware or don't have the same education or opportunities to learn that. What have you found in that? And how can we encourage that more? Um, yeah, yeah, two things about that. And going back to the core mapping, the commander, organizer, relator, all men in Western culture, and maybe it goes beyond Western, it's probably universal. It's probably also true of Asian cultures, certainly Middle Eastern cultures, but all men are pushed to be strong commanders. But some of them aren't really designed by God to be that way. So if our culture is pushing them to be conditioned against who they truly are, then they're setting themselves up for, for failure. So there's that one piece. Women, same thing. We are conditioned to not be commanders. But if God wired you to be a leader and, and you know, God wired you to be that person, if you go against his design, then your life is going to be set up for some failure. So there's that, that part of it. So there's cultural conditioning that we need to be very, very aware of. So I would say, do some personality assessment things. You know, strengths finders, Myers-Briggs, core mapping. There's a ton of them. There's a ton of assessment tools out there. Get to know who you are and start walking in your design. So that's number one. Number two, the male brain. Brain science is now showing us that the male brain is very different from the female brain. The male brain, so in, in, the, in the embryonic stage of fetal development, the male baby is flushed with testosterone. Testosterone separates some of the connective tissue between the two lobes of the brain. Some would call that brain damage. But what it does is it makes the two lobes of the brain, the thinking part and the feeling part, to be much more separate than in a female brain. So that's the second thing. We need to be aware that a man's brain is wired for a, in a different way than a woman's brain, and they're both beautiful and different. So we have to not be, so we have to make space for the differences be, between men and women. We call it that men have a lower EQ. I, I think that whole notion that men are just not as emotionally in touch as women is the wrong way of looking at it. The right way to look at it is that they're wired for something different. Men have such a capacity for task that women don't have naturally. We can push ourselves to that zone, 
but it comes very naturally for them to shut down everything else, focus on one thing and get her done. That is a gift. That is not a handicap. A woman's brain is like so integrated with all this wiring. We bring emotion to virtually everything. And that's great because we can multitask. We can do a lot of great things, but we can also be easily distracted. And we can also wear ourselves out because it takes a lot of energy to do all of that. So I think the normalization of the differences is probably the thing we need to do most. Right. I see lots of women who are, have really, really strong right brains, you know, and they, don't, and they don't line up with the, you know, integrated brain kind of thing. Let's just find out who we are and let's just go with that instead of trying to make rules for everybody. Absolutely. Okay, before we move on to the last question, I just want to take a minute to acknowledge you and the work that you do, Elizabeth, as you have literally impacted thousands, if not millions of people at this point with your influence and reach. And I know that there are probably hundreds of other jobs that you could do to make more money, um, to have more power, and you choose not to. You chose to put your heart into empowering people's marriages, empowering them to heal from their past. And so I just want to thank you for doing what you do. Thank you so much. That, that really that feels really, really good. And this is a privilege to do what I love to do. And I also have to give a shout out to Jim for being such a great provider that I have luxury of doing what I want to do. And like the in the marriage boot camp is a is a nonprofit organization. So I don't take any kind of income or anything from from the marriage boot camp. So all of the money that comes into the marriage boot camp is then offered up for scholarships and those kinds of things. So if there's a person in need, don't let the cost of the seminar stop you. If you need a scholarship, call us. We'll make it work for you. Thank you. Hmm. That's so generous. Okay. My last question is what does love intently or love mean to you? Um, I look at the words love intently and I trans configure it into uh, love intentionally. You know, it's like love has to be intentional and it's not just a feeling. It's a commitment and a decision. And sometimes it makes, it goes against the way you're feeling like commitment doesn't always feel wonderful. Sometimes it's just a decision and a commitment. So I think love intently to me means that you're loving intentionally, that you have set loving, giving, serving, cherishing, valuing as a standard in your life. And you're going to do that whether you feel like it or not. That's beautiful. Well, thank you, Elizabeth. You're so welcome. Thank you for the opportunity to talk. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a review so that others can join the conversation as well. If you are interested in attending Marriage Bootcamp, be sure to check out marriagebootcamp.com where you can find information on all of their upcoming marriage and life enrichment bootcamps. They're happening in September, November, January, March, and in May and onward. They all happen in the Dallas area. And I will actually be attending the September 26th through September 29th one. So if you're in the area, please come and say hi. I would love to meet you and hear your stories. Your stories really keep me going and keep me inspired. And I'm sure there's some things that I can glean from and share with our community. Uh, I am just so excited to attend because I know it'll be phenomenal. And I would love to hear your experiences and what you think. 
On the next episode, we discuss a very important conversation with Ashley and Dan Banky, how to take turns when prioritizing your careers, because I don't think it's an either or. I think you can do both together as a unit. Dan is now at his dream job as a college volleyball coach, but it was a journey getting there. And now Ashley is a founder of a startup called Spot Locator here in Austin. They're both driven and passionate, and they share the details of how they navigated through those conversations and supported each other's dreams. Did I mention they have two little ones? And they figured out a way to make it work. I'm both inspired and excited to share our conversation. Join our incredible community of 44,000 others on Instagram and let us know what you think at love.intently. Lastly, if you want to support what we're doing and to be a part of building a world that loves intently, you can do so with any dollar amount at our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash loveintently. Yes, even as little as $2 a month would be so helpful. Until next time, with love and intention.